you mentioned a dramatic Julie monologue project um, in answering a question that I put at your thesis presentation. Yeah. Working with people imprisoned in solitary confinement. Yes. Um, that's fascinating. Um, how to for or wither? Well, yeah. I so so nothing's happened with that so far. I've made contact with somebody who is running a. The inspiration from that came like a bolt from the blue. There's a prison education conference that happens at ASU every year, and there's a woman named Michelle uh, Ribeiro or something to that effect, who has been working in a New Mexico penitentiary doing um, a creative writing project, actually, with students at ASU, and they trade writing, and um, the ASU students read it and give feedback, and um, those folks are in solitary. Um, and as I was sitting there, I thought, gosh, it'd be cool to write monologues with folks, and I talked to her about it afterwards. She was very excited about it, and unfortunately, I've heard sort of through the grapevine that the warden changed, and her program was terminated, and I don't think she's even working there anymore because she was so frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, and I contacted her about it, and there was no traction, but I think it sounds like there was a lot going on in that ecosystem anyhow. And that's the thing about the prison work is it's very precarious. You know, uh, a staff change like that, and programs get cut or... Um, you know, or if one person who you might be working with accidentally brings in the wrong thing or something like that, then your program's under threat. And at any time, you know, I felt that every time I went to the prison that they were going to turn me away at the door. Sorry, t you can't come in today, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, and that but you've got a para paramilitary command working security. Yeah. It, it has, it's capricious like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as yeah. a rule. Yeah, absolutely. And when the decision makers actually come down to a very few, I mean, everything goes back to central office, central office, central office. And if, you know, somebody at central office uh, has a bug, you know, about something you got going on, that's it. Your program's done. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what happened with hers. And so this project that I'm interested in doing, I'm actually thinking about doing it. It's something I see happening maybe within the next five years or so. Um, and that in... Um, writing the stories and actually performing them. And it would be for an audience of one, perhaps. But Sure. As um, a thespian, like I um, uh, have am in an elongated attempt to memorize uh, Coleridge's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Yeah. I'm a couple pages in. Yeah. It is. a. I mean, and I can tell you as a uh, as a writer, not a thespian, I'm just as a as a, a guy with, a you know, a brain. It really does help con uh, uh, put together things cerebrally. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that sort of memorization exercise, and in any school teacher and from anybody, any world, any world, tell you the same thing. But, but talk about the techni technicalities of that as a, as a dramatic uh, professional. Like, you mean as far as memorization? Y well, yeah, and, and how that might correlate with someone who is suffering the deep mm -hmm. onset of dementia and insanity that occurs in, 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 in isolation. Right. Um, well... In uh, in many, n not even so ancient cultures, that's how texts were passed down. And it wasn't uncommon for people to have um, entire books memorized in just not so many hundreds of years ago. I mean, certainly before the uh, printing press in Gutenberg. Um, and then after that, of course, people started reading. And now, of course, I think... I mean, I, d I can't remember most people's phone numbers, you know, our, yeah. our brains are really changing in that way. So I just wanted to make note of that, that memorization is... We should all take a lesson. Yeah, that we all, um, 
that used to be something that we did as a matter of course, at least for educated people. And uh, you didn't have to be able to read to be able to memorize. Um, and so we had vast stores of potential in our brains for holding lots of knowledge. And um, they generally remain unaccessed mm-hmm. right now, especially when we have, you know, an encyclopedia in our pocket at any given time. Um, sure. So there's that. And um, absolutely, I think that there's... Um, there's something quite um, folksy and grounded about just embodying something because, you know, I ascribe to um, James Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences and there's all kinds of ways that we consume knowledge and process information and um, through speaking, through kinesthetic knowledge, musical knowledge, audio, etc., we we understand it differently. We feel into knowledge differently. And I can't tell you all the sort of... It's a muscular memory in very well, real ways. When that's true, absolutely. I mean, even just the, the articulator muscles of the face moving while you... Um, I memorized a monologue once that was about um, an hour and 40 minutes long. Um, it's 52 pages. And Did um, you ever do any vagina monologues? I have done vagina no. monologues, yeah. Um, but I didn't do that whole piece. I was in an ensemble. No, this was a piece called My Name is Rachel Corey, which um, you know I'd encourage you to look up because I think that that, uh, that piece would actually be interesting Kay. to you. Um, but um, it's a one-woman show, and I actually got to tour it around the United States some. And, um, yeah, it's straight talking for about an hour and 40 minutes or so. Um, and... Yeah, yeah, you learn things in that process. Anyway, going back to specific, specifically folks in solitary, I haven't ever worked with that population, but I will say that um, more and more I'm thinking about the way prison culture is its own culture and should be treated as such with the same respect that we would give in any kind of cultural studies context. And um, there's inside and there's outside, and people inside know how different their work their worlds are. I was at a parole board hearing for somebody I know uh, last week, and she was talking about. I mean, the the political caucus after. I mean, now extant. I mean, there right. is historically the precedent. It's very relevant, and that's why it's so critical. Right, I mean, right. in terms of making reconciliation right. and moving forward, well, it's absolutely. not maybe and should have their own history. And you know, I mean, you know, you well, know, I mean, these men do not forget, and the, and the, and neither do their souls. Well, and what she said. And women. She said, um, you know, uh, and you're at a parole board here. About getting out of prison and sort of um, reentry and reconnecting with even her closest friends and family, she said, you know, um, in prison we cook in garbage cans. That just doesn't translate in the same way. I mean, it's a different culture, you to some degree. And um, my point is. Going back to what I was saying about the man that I worked with who said something about, you know, nobody's apologized to me in nine years. That, of course, isn't true for his family inside. And he does say he has a family inside. And, you know, that's the the media re- and sensational representation of prison. I mean, we really have it all wrong. And um, what I experienced was a lot of um, compassion and deep bonds. Uh, I was in a different kind of unit. I w- wasn't in a GP unit, a general population unit. But... Mm-hmm. Um, 
we have this idea of it being hyper-violent and so dangerous, and certainly for some people it is, and in highly racialized prisons and stuff like that, that where there's a lot of racial politics going on, that may be the case to some degree. But um, what I also discovered was how much these men took care of each other and uh, supported one another, um, but they felt like they still lost some sense of orientation with the outside, particularly if they weren't having a lot of visitors, which in the case of this man, he was in for life, and he'd been in for um, 19 years, mm -hmm. uh, 17 or 19 years, some good chunk of time, and yeah. he'd be living there probably until he dies, and um, he no longer had contact with anybody outside, no visits really, or phone calls or anything, and so his whole world was inside a prison, so my being there was his outlet to the outside world. I was a conduit, and um, many of the men explained to me how that was um, one jo one person joined my workshop, actually, after the performance. I stayed and continued for mm, five weeks or six weeks or something, and he just wanted to come for that long because he's getting out in September. He's been in for a long time, and he said, I just wanted to see if I could talk to someone from the outside. And as he was talking to me, he was visibly nervous and stammering and sweating a little because he was so nervous about talking to somebody who represented outside. Mm -hmm. um, because that barrier had, it, he had just... Kind of like me. Well, Not he, really. He, th he thought he was, he, being inside had made him crazy and that he can no longer be legible to people outside. And he really just joined my my workshop just to have some uh, compass mm -hmm. and that was not people in solitary these are people on a yard together sure. so you think about somebody who spent some time in um, an SMU unit and or a, you know separated from other people where they maybe get some rec time a few times a week for 45 what minutes. does SMU stand for oh and that's um, specialized monitor uh, monitoring unit okay. um, it's often called the shoe to another place's specialized housing unit it's okay. it's what they call solitary okay. essentially sometimes ad seg i have a lot of i know a lot of prison talk yeah <laughs> um do you know what a stinger is no i don't know what a stinger a is. a stinger is a little thing that like heats up it's uh, it's an electrical device that heats up um the contents of a mug oh yeah no i know yeah 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 i didn't know that it, that's what it was called that's but yeah um some of the guys uh in my workshop um you know, they live in bays, in units where it, it's more like, like cubicles almost yeah. or something, you know. And uh, they would have a – Friday was burrito night, and they would have, like, family dinners together. And yeah. then um, at one point there were some mustard packets, and they were collecting them because they said, oh, yeah, we're going to make some Asian food, and we need those mustard <laughs> packets. And, I, I, it, and the most creative things happen in prison, sure, really. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, um, and I think society, I mean, arguably uh, may owe a lot to the, I mean, evolution owes a lot to extenuation or extenuating oh, circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Um, just leave it, because that's a whole other conversation we could have. Yeah. Um, uh, do you anticipate any trouble getting access to solitary? I mean, by the very nature, definition of solitary confinement, mm -hmm. I mean, they're not supposed to be seeing people, you know, or others. Right. So well, how do you get around that? Well, everything is about access. You do it, I guess you could do it by letters. I mean, if you had to. I mean. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, I mentioned that in passing. It's something I would like to do, but it's not necessarily like sort of the primary thrust of my interest or research right now. I, um, I'm, 
I'm interested in doing that, and I think that there's certainly a need. Everything in working. I in could do that. I could try. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything that is done in the prison, though, is dependent on um, partnership with somebody who works in the administration, mm -hmm. which is complicated. Sure. Because you know, I certainly don't. Speaking generally, I certainly don't share the same values as most of the people who work for the Department of Corrections. And you have to find somebody who is a champion of your cause. The, there's two things to be successful in getting inside. One is you're, you make sure that there's absolutely no threat to security, security being their number one interest, and that it doesn't cost them any money sure. for you to be there. And so those two things... Um, are the biggest obstacles. And if you can convince them that you are no threat to security, and in fact, your presence there might um, keep things calm. I mean, I know where we're going with one of my quotes there about um, maintaining the status quo. If you can use, I mean, theater and art sounds so um, quaint and non-threatening that I think that they seem like a way to Depends on who you're talking to. Well, sure, right? but who, I mean, who, how much they know about theater and exactly. art. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's right. But you can exploit their um, their probably misunderstanding of what art is, and they say, "Oh, that's uh, that sounds very safe, yeah. and that will keep people happy, and that will prevent fights, and anything that they can use um, over people's heads." The more privileges you give to someone, the more you can take away. I think why media tends to be attracted to prison yeah, is because of the, I, in its defense, in the defense of all media, <laughs> it's because it's compelling philosophically. Sure. You know, you have people of faith right. who is like, okay, their faith is so strong that they're prepared to carry the weight of the souls of however many people that they're sitting on until death because they know that, you know, that you, you're going to get another chance in the Logos. You know, that's interest. That's, I mean, that's one, that's alien versus predator in prison part four or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just a million different ways to skin a cat. Right. Um, and I had mentioned that earlier, but I'm just thinking of, of, you know, talking about the, as a class, the, 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 the people who staff the prison industrial complex and, and, and how they, you know, they have, you know, they have to, they have to, you know, how they, how they countenance that. I also think there's a lot of compartmentalization that happens. Which well, compartmentalization of power, if not done properly, is how atrocities occur, as you know. Well, absolutely. I and and it's how if you let AI do the dirty work for right. you, then you don't have to actually do it. And, and artificial intelligence is a kind of, of compartmentalization. Right. And it can be misappropriated, just right. like uh, 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 command chains that are yeah. direct. Right, right. Um, moving forward, um, other prison related projects, you mentioned that you'd mentioned the solitary thing in passing and I grabbed onto that cause I'm interested in that sort of thing. And, um, but what other prison related projects are you involved with? Have you been involved with, uh, yeah. upcoming on your horizon? Yeah, I, Julie. um, I've been involved with a program called Humanities Behind the Walls, um, which is working at Perryville Women's Prison. I've done a couple short theater workshops there, physical theater workshops there, and then I just... And you mentioned that in your thesis. There was some talk of Perryville in the thesis as well. Yeah, That's what yeah. Okay. And then, um, actually, just last Saturday, I completed a six-week critical media studies course, which was not anything I'd ever taught before, and that was more sitting at tables and reading things and talking and seminar style. So I do that um, with a handful of other incredibly dedicated folks, and... Um, I 
taught a Shakespeare course with the Prison English program at Have ASU. you ever performed any Shakespeare? Have you ever been involved in any Shakespeare productions? Yeah, Which yeah. Which ones? I've done Romeo and Juliet. Kay. I've done Midsummer Night's Dream. I did a gender reverse taming of the shrew. Uh-huh. And um, is that all? I've That's enough. I've That's done enough. a few others. I just yeah. wanted to hear you turn yeah, some, yeah. some phrases. Um, so uh, anyhow, um, so I taught Shakespeare... And that was also more like seminar-based, reading and analyzing um, at Florence Prison. And then I'm scheduled, we'll see what happens, yeah. I'm scheduled to do um, a program with both men and women up at the Federal Correctional Institute here in Phoenix, okay. um, which is a project that comes from a relationship between the Federal Bureau of Prisons and the National Endowment for the Arts. And um, that would be doing a theater project up there. Yeah. But um, I'm now under schedule constraints yeah. and they're uh they're a little slow to get back to me so we'll see 